This is Movies, a podcast by the Active Cinema. With me today, of course, it's Hans. And uh, I see you're embracing your own culture this week with that T-shirt. Yeah, I was... Uh... You know, I was, I was finishing watching the, the movie a couple of minutes ago, but uh, I spent like half an hour looking at uh, lake houses in Google Maps. I think I'm going to become a lake person. Just go move in the middle of a lake somewhere in Canada or... In Canada? Yeah. yeah why not? I, I already know. have... Uh... I don't think Canada is most optimal right now. You wouldn't want to do like Michigan? No. Oh, <laughs> would, would anyone... Want to go to a lake in Michigan? Well, you can just go across the lake into Canada if you go to Michigan. Yeah, maybe. Is maybe. that what the is that the Ozark thing? Is that in Michigan? I never watched Ozark. But you know who I hear is a very big fan of Ozark is Liam Bannon. Liam, how are you doing this evening? Welcome to movie his first guest appearance on movies. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Doing great, doing just dandy here. Um, what do you think about lake houses? Uh, I like them. I think I, they're I've nice. Been, I've been at them. I've had times at lake houses. They're pretty good. Isn't there, uh, you know, we're talking about the first two Spider-Man movies tonight. I feel like there was a movie called The Lake House that was released around the same time with Keanu Reeves and maybe Sandra Bullock. Hans, did you watch that? Did you get inspired uh, no. by that? I know what it is. That's that's one of those movies where he dies and then he comes back in like letters or some shit, right? In letters? Yeah, he wrote a bunch of letters for her and then she's discovering letters that he wrote before he died. And and that's when, when she found out that he actually loved her so much or something. Isn't it one of those? So she, I don't know. It sounds like you're a big <laughs> fan of this movie. Uh, maybe we should do that next week. Well, yeah. Let's let's do it. It is actually that. That was a lucky guess. That was it. Yeah, that wasn't a guess. That was or... you watched that movie. That was Hans watched that movie. With that his mom was. 20 I years did ago. not grow up wearing a miscongeniality t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so for those who aren't immediately familiar with Liam, Liam is an actor in my film Mass State Lottery, and uh, Liam, you killed it. And there, well, I th I feel like we've told the story about how you got cast a couple of times before on this show because. You were not originally scheduled to play that part of Cowboy. And first, first we were going to have a guy named Ston, who uh, is a friend of mine who lives out in Wichita. He's going to be on um, another film that's coming up. He couldn't do it. So then we put out the, the ad online, which is where you got into the mix. And um, the guy we originally cast was a friend of a friend. So uh, a, a guy who plays a very similar role to you in the movie, Liam plays kind of like a rent boy character in Mass State Lottery. Uh, well, there's another character in the film, an actor, and he vouched for his friend to play this role. And I was like, all right, I'll check this guy out. He like visually looked the part. Didn't look a thing like you though, Liam. So it was a very different kind of take on the character. And um, 48 hours before we're about to start shooting on Mass State Lottery for your scenes. He says, hey, I got COVID. I can't do it. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is about to fall apart. This is, this is all, it's all going to come tumbling down. And Liam, impeccable, uh, fantastic, and uh, uh, dependable man that you are. 48 hours to go. Didn't see the, the, the part, didn't see the lines, nothing. He said, I'm in. I'm going to do it. 
and then we shot and you knocked it out of the park and you kill it in the role. And I can't even imagine what that version or the version before that would have looked like because uh, you are awesome as cowboy in this movie, Mass Day Lottery. So I've told that a, a few times, but just thank you for, for doing that on such short notice. I don't know if I ever got around thank to saying you. that. No, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it all. And um, uh, it was a good time. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. And you and Hans share quite a few scenes together. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Yes. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Very close dialogue. Very <laughs> yeah. Intimate, intimate scene. <laughs> Very uh, freezing with uh, my chest out in the middle of fucking, what is it, like 11 p.m. somewhere in Massachusetts, parking lot next to a, what was it, like a Mormon church or like a black church or something? It was, no, was it was it? neither. It was a Mexican, like, quinceanero oh. place. Oh, I think it was, yeah. it was, uh, it did say La Iglesia on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hans, you didn't even get the worst deal there. Uh, we can't, I, oh, I we shouldn't talk about it too much, but Liam literally, like, had, <laughs> it was, it, you know, it, we were kind of fortunate in that it was a day it didn't snow, it was a day it didn't rain, it wasn't too, too cold out that that night. And it had been like pretty freezing up until then. Uh, but it was still like 45, 50 degrees out, which for most people, I know Hans, for you living in Costa yeah. Rica, that's cold. That's real cold weather. Uh, but being like dressed down and doing like prosthetics and makeup, that was a lot of work. That was a tall order for an actor who we just got on the fly the day of to be like, hey, you're going to have to hang out in the cold in this parking lot and uh, just bear with us. So uh, I'm glad it all worked out. Obviously, I think your scenes are some of the best scenes in the movie, Liam. And um, I can't wait for people wow. to, to start watching it. And I got to send you a copy because you haven't even seen the movie yet. Very no, few people no. have seen the movie. Hans has the, seen the movie. A couple of best, versions of the movie. The best part about that actor, uh, I guess quitting, not quitting, bowing out because he got COVID is that I think we had COVID. I think we kind of had it because remember that one day where everyone was just feeling like shit and we're just like, oh, it's fine. It's just, uh, you know, we just, we're sharing one apartment. So uh, we're probably just caught something. And then after that, the whole fucking thing started. Uh, so I think it's funny that the, you know, the, the one guy that we already planned with had to leave because of that when I think we all kind of had it. I don't know if it wasn't the first or the second trip. You're confusing the first oh, okay. and the second trip because oh, okay. someone definitely came in. I think it was Jake had come in and he was like, yeah, there was a guy who was like coughing the entire flight. <laughs> and then immediately following, I got sick, you got sick. Jerry was fine. Jerry was Jerry's... just just fine because he had a bed. He had the bed, yeah. so he was all right. Um, but I was sick for like a week after and that was right when COVID started. That was March, 2020. On the second yeah. go around, I don't think anyone got sick. Oh, no, not the second time. Yeah, it was the first time. But I remember I was in the airport and they were closing everything and I was afraid of doing a Tom Hanks thing where I had to leave at the airport until COVID ended. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Hans's flight back to Costa Rica got uh, intercepted there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but Liam, I mean, what have you been up to since Mass Day Live? Because that was November 2021. And it's been... Just all, just a, we're coming up on two years now. That was October, I I want to say, or November that we shot um, those inserts. Yeah, that was um, that was a while ago, and I've done I've done a number of short films since then. Uh, nothing. This is the only feature length film that I've been a part of to this point. 
Um, but yeah, just just some short films, on and off. Not not the most like you know. I, I've done around ten films total, so that's that's where I'm at, and um, it's all been that that was the second film I did, so it's all been in that time span. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they're all fun. I'm just I'm I'm having a fun time with it, and it's, I'm doing school, wrapping that up uh, in a week or two, so. That's that's where I've been at. Nice. So, I mean, what what is your? I think what what are you going for when you sign on for like an acting uh, gig? Like, what kind of project is there? Anything in particular in mind that you are drawn to as an actor that you feel like I got to be part of this? I think um, things that are more like a little more left to center. Like definitely not your typical, like when I see a, a role where it's just not bashing any, the way anyone writes these roles is just what I'm looking for. Um, but these roles of like your cookie cutter, like young male, like, you know, he gets into this relationship, it ends badly, he's doing X, Y, and Z afterwards. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, uh, it's it's not it's not attractive to me. I want someone who's like, you know, really... navigating some tough waters or in in a situation that we wouldn't see on the day-to-day some or we wouldn't imagine in our typical lives like hooking up with hans exactly exactly like that (laughs) uh yeah yeah uh well again uh i've uh i've checked i think i checked out one of the short films that was released sometime after um you run on mass state lottery and i've seen you promoting them through instagram if you want to like plug your i know you're on twitter as well if you want to plug that right before we get into sam raimi's first two spider-man films um yeah you can i think to check my stuff out it's best uh on instagram and uh liam or you can you can search my name liam bannon or uh life period is period a movie uh, periods in between all the the words um and if there's a couple underscores after that as well if you go there uh i've got a link to my website liam j bannon and uh th- that's where some of my films can be seen very dope all right so you picked you gave me a list of films i feel like it's been a while since we uh originally scheduled the show and on that list of films happened to be Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, not the mm-hmm. first one, right? So we yep. haven't talked about, um, I mean, we've talked about Sam Raimi before. We've talked about these films in passing before, but we haven't actually gotten into the Sam Ra- I mean, we try to like steer away from cave shit these days because there's just so, it's such an oversaturation of that, especially like treading into Marvel waters. Although this is when Marvel was good. This is when the films were enjoyable and not like, you have to watch this movie to understand what's happening with the next movie. And you got to do that 30 times. Um, you know, I, I went back to the first movie last year and I watched um, the first three and I was surprised at like how well they all aged. And then I went back to the first one today and there were new things that I picked up on, like particularly how, you know, we often criticize how CG doesn't age well and I think with the first Spider-Man movie, at least there's such like a weird visual language to it. And it's weird now at the time, I think it was just, it registered as authentic. 
um, with the computer generated effects of like you have the fake Times Square and then the little 3D model of Spider-Man flying through the sky and then the Green Goblin comes and swoops him away and it all looks kind of, I don't know, it looks cool and charming in like a PlayStation 1 sort of way. Usually I say PlayStation, it's an insult. It's like Henry Cavill's face in the Joss Whedon Justice League movie. Um, but in this case, because it's like, it, they unintentionally kind of like built this digital version of the world through the special effects of the movie uh, and it's aged in a particular way. It's kind of interesting to watch now. Uh, that was my take anyway. Um, so what, what made you pick Spider-Man 2, I guess, in particular? Um, Spider-Man 2, I think, um, I, it, it's, it's one of those movies that, uh, like when people look at superhero movies and it's such it's such a large bunch of movies at this point now um people a lot of people point to spider-man 2 as being one of the best movies or better ones um and it's one that i had on a vhs when i was like it was probably like the first movie i had and i was obsessed with spider-man for so long um so it was it's something that i definitely like i've seen a ton of when I was younger and I wanted to watch again and, and look at from this point of view. Um, but all, just going off of that, um, I was watching it today. It's the first one, especially less so with the second one in that rubbery effect that you see it, like it is PlayStation S. Um, but I feel like when you see that it actually bounces off like very soon after seeing a really rubbery effect, you see a practical shot that is kind of kind of surpasses that whatever effect is seen. Like it it it's not a rubbery effect and then something worse afterwards. It's like you get these these PlayStation type graphics, and then it cuts to something that looks really good, which I think is really cool. It's like a, a part of the world instead of it being the world. You know, it's just little elements that you're adding to a shot that shows more than just, oh, that was shot with someone standing in a green room and then just make it up like that. I haven't seen that last Ant-Man movie, but it looks horrendous because of that because it, it just looks like like they just superimposed him into whatever background and that is it's a lot less, less charming. I'm sure it's going to age. Hor I mean, it looks horrible already. Uh, but for whatever reason, this has a very... 2002 feel to it that it 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 feels refreshing somehow i guess because of all the saturation that we have of that other thing of just like green screen everything uh but i i found it really charming and a lot of of different elements from moving of movies of that time that you don't really get anymore uh because everything now is ironic and 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 not serious right but for whatever reason the dialogue here uh, and uh, the way that characters interact with each other, even though it feels very 2002, it's, yeah, it, it feels refreshing. It feels like different and new somehow because of everything that we've gotten in that genre in the past, what, 20 years. Right. I, I think something that's become a staple to the superhero genre and the comic book genre now uh, as a result of things like the first couple of Iron Man movies and Robert Downey Jr.'s humor in that is that you will get an abundance of humor in them and they're not divorced from any sense of irony. Usually the humor is used to take the punch out of a scene if they're playing it like too sincere. 
And something like this first Spider-Man movie and the second one, and even the third one, um, are overloaded with sincerity and characters who are saying like a corny line, but they mean what they say. Like there's so many moments like that between Peter and uh, Mary Jane and Aunt May. And I think all of the actors really sell their performances very well. Everybody was so well cast in this movie in their parts. I mean, you know, only a couple of years before, Liam, how old are you? You're only in your like early or mid twenties, aren't you? Yeah, 21. You're 21? Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, I'm over 10 years older than Liam. Hans, you're almost like 20 years older than Liam. <laughs> wow. This is this is crazy. Um, all right, so yeah, back you in guys the look 90s. Like young bucks. <laughs> that's what I hear all the time. Is Hans, that young yeah. buck, you're lucky to have him. I'm like, what, what what do you mean by that? Um <laughs> so uh back in the 90s, James Cameron was set to direct Spider-Man. And they had uh so Tobey Maguire back in the 90s was part of a gang of young actors called the Pussy Posse. And it was him. It was DiCaprio. It was E from Entourage. It was uh, David Blaine, the magician. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who am I forgetting the here? Like Topher Lucas Grace. Oz? No, he was definitely not in there. <laughs> that guy never got pussy. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was Lucas Haas, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That weird kid, yeah. Okay. Uh, so they were all part of a gang and DiCaprio was set to play Spider-Man and that was, they were going to do that after Titanic. Um, I think everyone's egos got a little too big and didn't work out for some reason. James Cameron takes some 15 years to do these projects. So, uh, and another thing was they wanted to get Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dr. Octopus. I remember that as well. That could have been more fun than Mr. Freeze, I think. I just think Albert Molina is perfect <laughs> as that uh, doc. Just everything, even his his shirtless scene where you can see like his square titties. He's just like, yeah, that's exactly what Doc Ock would look like without a shirt on. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, he's. I think he's perfect for that. And that's the one of the things that did work on that new one they released because I didn't really the one where the three show up. I, it's kind of. Oh yeah, weren't you I'm, criticizing that the other day? Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Liam, did I, you I see? They, Go ahead. Yeah, they did a lot of cheating with a lot of just remember this, but they, if you remove that from the movies, just so whatever, it doesn't really do anything interesting. Yeah. Liam, did you see No Way Home? Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a really big fan of it either. It just kind of, there wasn't anything for me. Like the, even when they brought in Tobey Maguire, cause those are the, the ones that I liked more, his, his films, even when they brought him in, I was just like, yeah, but like it, none of this really like you're just making this now it's not really him mm -hmm. like it's you not know, really that character so like it felt like uh he forgot how to play yeah spider-man you know like that he spent sense. so much time away and he came back and he's like I've, i feel like i've seen this before oh actually i know specifically what i'm thinking of uh when they brought back ricky gervais to play david brent for that one episode of the office it kind of oh. felt like also he spent too much time away from playing the character. He forgot how to do it. And because his role was not like centerpiece where he has to take the time and he's got to like take it on and be like, all right, I have to get back into that mindset of that. That's what the character is. You're just going to be in and out. Um, he's basically just playing himself. And Tobey Maguire nowadays is like a very intense guy. Like all his airport photos where he's like just eyeing whoever's taking a photo of him from a distance. Uh, it's very spooky stuff. Apparently he's like a big card shark. Like uh, he's a he's a real hustler. Like he 
he's won millions of dollars at like underground oh. poker tables and whatnot. What? Yeah. <laughs> so he's just trying to go against whatever his career was playing all of these goofy characters because that's one of the things that that stuck out after rewatching this that the way he plays the Peter Kirk, uh, Parker character I really like because there's a there's a weird innocence there's a weird like he uh, he's very goofy but uh, that new kid I don't remember his name uh, who they're they're trying to make Tom into Holland? like an action yeah into like an action star but he's like a little boy even though he's like 40 or something I don't know how old mm -hmm. he is but he's you know he's been doing the with doing it for a while um he I feel like the Toby character he's just like a dork and he's like I'm just gonna be a dork and like he doesn't try to be anything it feels more natural that he's that character as opposed to the Tom Holland uh, Peter Parker that to me feels like, hey, look at how goofy Aaron I, I goofy like that type of <laughs> instead of being Ed, he tries to convince everyone that he is that but it doesn't seem as natural as what Toby does with this character in this performance. And I think that's why his performance is No Way Home stuck out uh, for me so much because he doesn't play like that anymore. Now he's kind of smooth and cool. And he's like, that's not who we get even in the third one like that's not who ends up he ends up being you thought he was smooth and cool and no way home i thought he I was just in a bad mood he, well but but exactly that's not who we, like he was as that right. that character right so then it's just even that element of it where, where you, you're trying to get something out of it because you enjoy the first one but that's not even the same character at all so then it's just well it's it's a lot of member bearers right of just like remember this guy that played that character now he's not the same but but it's fine he's here get excited and that, that's why I, I felt like it was like a very cheap way of of uh using nostalgia to make up for a very mediocre whatever movie that you know, if you remove that, it's like, who cares? Well, what did you guys think of Willem Dafoe returning as Norman Osborn in that film? It's the, probably the probably. best part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, because he, he, goes, he just he, yeah, yeah. He takes over a scene. He's he's incredible. That, um, and that, I think that's the strongest part of these movies, too. At least for this first two, the villains. Like the they like you said, there's no irony, so they just go hard as goofy as the characters are because we're talking about you know uh, someone uh, called Octavius that gets what, what does he say eight, eight um, uh, not extremities. What's the word that that um, J.K. Simmons uses where he just says, "Oh, isn't that weird that his name is Octavius and he has eight limbs?" Limbs, yeah, yeah. So even though it's you know it's goofy. I think they go all in into the character. That's why they're so good at at, at it. And then with the third one, you kind of lose that a little bit. And then on the on the on the what Amazing Spider-Man that's just a mess. Every yeah, like both of those movies. Just... I mean, the, the first one uh, I think is probably a, a more solid film. But it, again, it feels kind of redundant. I think that the criticism that they were repeating the same ground too soon is completely valid. And even now it kind of plays like that, where it's like, this is just a more boring version of the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. That movie's chock full of charm and wit. And um, it just, it, it's a much more enjoyable film than, hey, we, you know, we, Christopher Nolan just did a very dark Batman. Why do, what if we do that with Spider-Man? But then also it doesn't ring true because the bad guy's M.O., his big uh, master plan at the end is, hey, we're gonna turn the city into lizards. It's just gonna be a bunch of little mini lizards running around. And it's just like, ah, uh, why are we doing this? 
even the, the second movie i think has more enjoyable elements to it but it's also like it's got too much going on you have uh paul giamatti as the rhino for why just like just because for 90 and, seconds uh, or something it's yeah you you, you skip right past like the norman osborne green goblin arc and get into harry who we're just mm -hmm. introduced to in the same film and it doesn't ring true at all uh they 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 took missteps every every step of the way and the last movie that they didn't make was supposed to be um the the bad guy was going to regenerate the dead characters using the lizard gene so dennis leary was going to come back and team up with spider-man and they were gonna take down mysterio or somebody i don't know it, cool. it would have been Sounds been horrible. Just yeah. get a cop with Spider-Man teaming up. That's killer. Uh, yeah, they, they, oh, go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, they uh, they really so took what the MCU was and what they were doing, and they were like, yeah, we have to do this. Like, this is something we need to do. Mm -hmm. And, like, try to force it down the throats of whoever would watch any of those movies. It was, like, really not good. They were, you know, it, they're they're partially responsible too for the Suicide Squad movie happening because they announced they were going to do their whole big universe with the, the Amazing Spider-Man, and they were going to do a Sinister Six film, mm -hmm. and that never happened. That I mean, after Amazing Spider-Man two flopped, um, they pulled the plug on that, and I think DC picked up the idea of hey, we could do a supervillain movie. Because that was kind of unheard of at the time. You don't have Joker. You don't have uh, Black Adam. That was another flop. Uh, or you don't have any uh, Venom film, you know? So I think they wanted to start to carve out that territory, and they couldn't do it. So teaming up with Disney to do these Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. And I'll tell you what. I have a more generous opinion of No Way Home than you two do i kind of i enjoyed that movie for the most part it's the one mcu film i've been able to tolerate you know wow. uh, but the the first two spider-man movies in that series i don't i'm not a, and i love michael keaton cool casting him as the vulture but uh didn't work for me and in the middle one also likewise jake gyllenhaal he's always good um did he need to do this movie no i don't think yeah. so uh Speaking about the the trying to do too much, I think this movie does a lot within the first 40 minutes that uh, maybe they were trying to do something like that, but they didn't have someone as, as interesting and as talented as Sam Raimi to do it. Because within the first 40 movies of the first movie, uh, you already established who he is by not doing much because all he had to do is just throw a couple of lines at uh, the James Franco character in the museum or whatever and you already know who this guy is like you already know how much of a goofball and how much of a uncomfortable dork he is around around everyone uh you have a, a love interest that have this established already you establish a villain and how the villain's son is like his best friend right and then he's also jealous of him because he's very smart and he's that so there's like a little bit of conflict there that has been already established very quickly uh, then you have uh, his family unit and the big loss that he had with his uncle. And then he has uh, the first fight with the Green Goblin, which is really good too. And that all happens within 40 minutes. So it's very condensed. And 
it, he does a lot of just showing instead of uh, the characters trying to convince us who they are, like their actions and their very small and short interactions uh, do a really good job at setting them up and, and setting up uh, who they are and how they're going to interact in this world without really having to spend an hour and a half getting to you know know each one of them f for them to just not do anything interesting with them uh, afterwards. I feel like that within 40, 45 minutes, you've set up everything. And then I think this movie is two hours. So then you still have an hour, an hour 10 to do a movie, you know, after mm -hmm. you've set up that universe completely within the first 40 minutes. And I, that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 100%. You know, I just, while you were talking about that, I was just thinking back. So, Liam, you were, like, born the year this movie came out. <laughs> right? Basically. Oh, yeah. my God. Um, 2001. So, I remember close. back when they did uh, the original teaser posters to uh, the first Spider-Man movie, they had the World Trade Center in his eye, yeah. and they had to remove that from all the posters. Uh, but no, Hans, I think you uh, were very concise in explaining what works about this movie and where the other two have major short or the other two like beginnings of the Spider-Man series have shortcomings, especially I think Amazing Spider-Man tries to do the same thing that this one does and they take way too long to do it. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, they have to shoehorn all this like Marvel series shit. Yeah. You have Robert Downey Jr. in there. And it, it's, you know, it's 75% Spider-Man's movie. It's 25% an Iron Man movie. And they don't it's... really care. They, they, they fill in the gaps through like dialogue that doesn't feel mm -hmm. like anything other than an exposition dump. Um, what were you going to say? It doesn't feel earned, you know, and this one you get to the second movie, he still has no money. He lives in a shitty apartment that's owned by like a, what is he, a Polish man or a Greek man or something. It's kind of an asshole, just wants his money, but he has no money. And he has his skinny daughter that's in love with him. Uh, but he's like a shithole. So it, it feels like, you know, he, he's gone through the punches. And even though he's a hero, has all these powers, he's still struggling to like make ends meet. And he's making, uh, doing photos for, for this guy that hates him and barely pays him any money. Uh, so when he puts on the suit, and I, I really like also the, the storyline of the second one where he loses his powers and, and, and gets them back. But I feel like that storyline makes him earn being a hero, as opposed to in the new one where Robin Downey just shows up and he's like, hey, you want a cool suit? Here it is. Now you got robotics. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that aspect. And, and then he's just, okay, so he's just a, still a little boy with an armor. That's That's cool and interesting, I guess, instead of making him, you know, earned. The thing and that's and um the fact that there wasn't a established universe or or a need to connect it to anything else i think worked to sam raimi's uh strengths in this movie too just because you know he had to build everything from zero and even though it's a story that i think most people are familiar with even they're not not comic book fans like like batman you know where you, you know his parents are gonna die right at the beginning uh, but he he did a great job at just bringing a lot of those elements and still keep it Raimi. You know, it feels very 70s, 80s uh, comic book tone to it, even though it's in the 2000s. Yeah, it, for sure. I think the uh, like the it, the stakes of the film also help as well. Like you take a the the MCU versions of Spider Man. You see, like, 
they they go to space and fight Thanos and all this crazy stuff. Like in this one, like he's just like like the Green Goblin came and like scared his grandma or his his aunt, you know, and like like that's you know that's pretty bad. That sucks, but it's <laughs> yeah. not. so. Like the point is like it's you're working with much smaller stakes, which I, I think gives more freedom because when you you blow things out of proportion, you don't really understand what you're dealing with, like like the, how people how people would react to those situations. Right, I do think that you can elevate the intensity by keeping things uh, such small stakes. I think the Joker movie does a very good job of that, where the big payoff of the film for like the biggest comic book supervillain is just that he's going to kill a late night talk show host. Mm. Um, and having, having things a little more grounded with this Spider-Man film, like they're clearly, they have things like that Tim Burton Batman movie and probably the first Brian Singer X-Men movie in their heads as far as like, this is what the template is. Let's not get too big. We can always maybe build to something bigger down the road. But having a sense of reality that's baked into the movie is paramount to any of these films up to a certain point. And um, what I really like about this Spider-Man movie is it paints a picture of New York City in 2001 that's post like 9-11. I don't even know if that was it. That probably wasn't the intention. And it became that later on. Um, that almost seems friendly. It's like a friendly version of New York. And I guess that's kind of part of the narrative arc of the city now because it was uh, Rudy Giuliani's cleanup campaign when he was the mayor. He took down so many like uh, organized crime people and uh, people were like, wow, yeah, New York is safe again. Yeah, it, 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 became, it became like a tourist destination. Mm. And then that lasted maybe about 10 years now you know, now it's something a little different, different, but the same. So, uh, it, it, so it brings me back to that time when you have like Macy Gray performing, you have a Macy Gray special appearance in Times Square and the big Macy's Day balloons. It's just like a happy 2002 uh, picture of what the city was and what maybe the country was during that time. Yeah, it's, so it's weirdly hopeful. It's weirdly like... I don't want to say bubbly or, but it, it, it really feels like a comic book movie, which you've lost, I think with, with modern ones, because like you said, it's uh it's goofy to a point, but it takes itself seriously. It doesn't make fun of it. It doesn't, it doesn't point, uh, you know, doesn't look at the camera and say, this is ridiculous, but instead it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. This is, this is the world that we live in. And it feels very old school comic booky to me where, you know, this is, this is for a, uh, a very niche crowd so they're gonna love it the fact that we're we're willing to present it as sincere as possible even if it's you know maybe not to be taken as seriously but everything that happened everyone's playing it so straight even the you know the high school bullies who look like 20 years older than than toby mcguire and toby mcguire is 27 in this movie by the way <laughs> yeah uh Crazy. even even that like a lot of the just their their very 2002 interactions but but again it's played straight so it has like a, a weird charm that that you've lost the moment when uh when everything is just an internal joke or like a like you said trying to diffuse a serious moment with a lame 
what Taika Waititi joke uh, and then nothing is to be taken seriously. Like I can imagine, I don't remember how they kill Uncle Ben in the new ones, but I can imagine him saying something or trying to say something funny as he's dying and just to take away from the from the serious moment that's happening just because nothing is serious in this movie anymore. Well, those new ones don't have an Uncle Ben. He's just dead oh. at the time that we pick up. Right. So. Well, if you lose that moment then, I mean, I, I guess it's not needed, but yeah, Aunt May is hot, right? Yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Uncle Ben must have been so much hotter. <laughs> he had to have been. Well, you have the same actor, <laughs> just <laughs> older. <laughs> uh, they got Martin Sheen for Uncle Ben in those Amazing Spider-Man. They they actually like did good with casting for those movies, and they just fucked up everything. Like the dialogue was horrible. They had um, Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben and Sally Field as Aunt May. That's really good. I mean, not, not, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, (laughs) but they're pretty solid actors. And with this movie, I actually kind of like that you don't immediately recognize the actors who are playing them because they can just easily disappear in the role. Now, where I did recognize this actor who plays Uncle Ben is, and Hans, you probably don't have any memory of this. He played Hugh Hefner in Star 80. Oh, Cliff Robertson, I believe is his name. He's done a couple of different things. I haven't seen anything that uh, the actress who plays Aunt May has been in, though. Uh, the big thing for me with this movie was, uh, damn, I miss James Franco. I wish James Franco would come back already. He's sorely missed. Uh, he's he's such a slimy, like, but like in a real 16-year-old boy sort of way, just like a deceptive, like competitive friend piece of shit in this movie. And he plays it so well. Plays it so much better than Dane DeHane. Wow, look at that carpet. My God. Hans, you should get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Legit. Yeah, so there's a look. About... <laughs> that, that is a look. Um, He's, he looks kind of clean there. I'm not going to mm. lie. This That's the Hugh Hefner role? Yeah. yeah. It's a great yeah hairpiece. Uh, Maybe I think that's, he was... that's how I'll show up next time we shoot anything. I'll just show up wearing it. And don't, don't acknowledge it. Don't say no. anything. Just, just we're going to expect to shoot it. Um, he was hell like that fucking Brillo <laughs> pad. <laughs> he was in another movie too that's like well known. Um, what else comes up for his his films when you type his name in, Hans? Uh, hold on. I feel like it was like uh, Willard or something. PT 109, uh, six. 33 Squadron, Obsession from 1976, and Three Days of the Condor. Oh, okay. Yeah, you haven't heard of those? No. <laughs> no, I've, I've heard of the last two. I haven't seen them, though. Well-regarded films. Um, I think, uh, you know, who do you, who do you think is, like, the best or the most well-cast person in this 2002 Spider-Man movie? Oof. I, I can't think of anyone that was not well casted. When you ask me like that, like who would you, who? Everyone looks the part and everyone plays the part well. I don't know if I would. I mean, Toby's really good. I think the Mary Jane character is really good. I really like the uncle and aunt and the way they they interacted with each other too. Very wholesome. Uh, and Will and Defoe is perfect too as as that. And I I really like James Franco too. Uh, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I didn't like Dane. What's his name? D- Dane DeHane. Yeah, because 
he has that slimy weirdo look to him, but he's not playing at that at the beginning of that movie. No, uh, kind of Harry Osborn is not supposed to be creepy. That's the thing. He's not supposed to be creepy. He's supposed to be yeah. like a dick. You know, he's the he's the bad friend, bad best friend. Um, so uh, yeah, I I think James Franco is just perfect in that perfect. role, and his his little uh, idiosyncrasies of like being annoying and being like a coward when it comes to dealing with his father and not sticking up for uh his girlfriend yeah that's very whippy very teary-eyed mm -hmm. the whole time and how he's like rejected he like he's the rejected son because peter comes along and it's almost like hey i'll trade you the love of my life for your dad that's the that's the thing that happens in this movie um and uh, he just loses big. He loses big perpetually throughout these series of, of films. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a rough go for him. It's a very rough go for him. He loses he's, everything. He's the cool guy. So yeah. <laughs> the cool guy is supposed to win at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, where was he for No Way Home? I wonder. Hans, what do you think Harry, happened to Harry? Huh. Who knows? I, think I heard he started a school. Yeah, he became a professor, right? And then... <laughs> professor Harry. That's right. <laughs> professor Osborne. Yeah, and then wonder what happened to that, that uh, they didn't call him. That would have been cool. You know, he shows up with his hoverboard and... I ha By the way, cool. I hated I hated that they decided to not, like, fully embrace the Green Goblin 2 with him for that third movie, and they gave him, like, a cool ski mask. Yeah. That had to have been like the corporate overlords stepping in. They're mm -hmm. like snowboarding's kind of big right now. Like, you gotta sell toys, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. They could have made him hobgoblin. I feel like they set that up. Like uh, I don't know. There, there was plenty of opportunity to mess with that. Uh, I would have liked to see. I mean, who wouldn't have at this point, seeing how it turned out? If the series had continued, they did that fourth movie with john malkovich as the vulture instead of rebooting it uh completely were you hans were, when you were watching these movies back in the day because i remember being on message boards back in the early 2000s uh, and people were like you know bruce campbell his character is going to pay off they're going to make him mysterio that's why he's all these different characters in these movies were you one of those guys were you hoping bruce campbell was going to get the mysterio role no no uh, I think it's great every time he shows up. I, I don't like that Sam Raimi has never really given him a big role in his big movies. Uh, it's always just like the guy that pops up and he's the best part of the movie usually, but he's there for 30 seconds, which is, I guess, why it works so well. Uh, but no, I was I don't think I was on message boards in 2002 yet uh, or online that much, really. I live in a third world country. <laughs> That, you were, I don't think you were living in a third world country in 2002. Yeah, I, I think it still was here. Yeah. I, I had not moved yet. Uh, and if I did, I had really limited AOL internet. So I didn't No, I, I, I wasn't dwelling on those dirty waters like you were. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 2002 yes. with the message words. Yeah. I was just making up well, lies. I was telling well, lies all the time. I was an infant. So yeah, you weren't, right. you, you, <laughs> We're playing with a rattle or something. Well, I was like, I was sending fake scoops to like movie web, like Sean Penn's going to be cast as the Joker. And they would run that shit. They ran it. That article's probably still up. I said, Sean Penn and Tim Roth. That's the, that's who your Joker is in the dark night. They believed it. And I was just some, some 12 year old. My, I've talked about this before. 
but my biggest accomplishment with all my 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 scheming and my lies when it comes to the fake casting was that I said that oh yeah Christian Bale he auditioned to play Robin and Batman forever I just said that a bunch of times and then eventually some some reporter approached Christian Bale at the premiere for Batman Begins and was like so I heard you auditioned for Robin and Batman Forever. How does it feel to now play Batman? And he was like offended by that question. I remember going to the comic book shop and opening like Starlog magazine or something. And I saw that and it was like, I caused this. I did this at like 14 there's, years uh, old. It blew my mind. If you Google Sean Penn Joker, there's a lot of articles that say, uh, well, he finally admits that he was never offered the, the Joker role. <laughs> He says he was never offered the role. Hans, can we get a, can you pull up a Photoshop real quick of Sean Penn as the Joker, just so we can put a nice visual to this, this would be image. Um, Yeah. Was this also spread by you? Oh yeah. Yeah. This was back in the heyday of like 2001 to 2007 or so. Then I bowed out of the message boards because they all kind of like died. Like the the message boards were very active back in the early aughts. And then I think once MySpace came around, people were like, yeah, we could just like talk to normal people on here as ourselves. (laughs) Okay. That's someone's illustration. Aldo Marquez. Uh, Nice job, I guess. Not too many. None, as a matter of fact. There's more drawings than there are photoshops. Okay, well, that's a little disappointing. He's with El Chapo there. Yeah, he's adventurous. He's up to plenty of things. Hans, I think you're on mute. Yeah, you're muted. I was saying that uh, there's not many pictures, but there's a lot of articles that did mention it. Cinema Blend, Screen Rant, ComicBook.com. Or they just wow okay sean penn says chris nolan never offered him the joker oh my god see i wish i wasn't like wow. yeah i can do that like th- this would also blow my mind if i was still a teenage boy but you know Even i like IMDb christian bale more than sean penn we got this covered yeah we got this covered yeah but yeah that's uh that's maybe I'll, let me see if i can find anything about christian bale playing robin <laughs> There's something out there for certain. Someone asked him on the red carpet or the premiere uh, about it for certain. Um, do you guys have a preference between, because we haven't talked too much about Spider-Man 2 just yet. Do you have a preference between these first two movies? Because I feel like they're pretty equal. A lot of people do cite Spider-Man 2 as the superior of the two films. Narratively, it's probably a bit more cohesive. Um, I think it's a more streamlined plot. Uh, compared to that first movie? I mean, Liam, you probably prefer it since I was on the list, right? Yeah, I actually, I I would have predicted that I'd prefer it, but watching it today, both of them, um, two, two didn't really hit the same as it used to. I, I felt that one, just from the perspective I was looking at it, one felt like a stronger film um, just overall. Uh, I think too, it. I think it that goofiness that came across. It came across well most of the time, but I think it played uh, to a disadvantage at some points in the films, in the or in the second one at least. I think not having Willem Dafoe also is a bit of a hindrance. Nothing against Alfred Molina; Absolutely. he's a very different, 
villain, but I think the energy that he brought to that first movie, that's hard to replicate and carry over into that. And you also don't have like the fun or funny cowardly Harry Osborn. You just have sulking bad mood Harry Osborn throughout the movie. Hmm. And uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if I, I'd say it puts like a damper on things a bit, but it does compare to what you're given with that first film. I think the MJ stuff kind of puts a damper on it too, because it's just, it drags a little too long for their would they, won't they thing. And oh, mm. she's mad at him because he never showed up. And then, oh, he's reading poetry now, which I actually liked. That was very funny when he's just, he tries to look more interesting to her by reciting poetry that he read the day before. And she's just like, what are you doing? What, the, what is this? Uh, I, uh, I like the first one, though, better because of that. Um, the Harry Osborn character kind of sucks in the second one. He's just very whiny and very, very not as, as interesting as, as the first one when he's becoming that and before he loses his dad, I guess. Uh, the MJ character also in the second one is kind of just a whiner that just wants to get he she's like in love with him but she's gonna marry this other guy and and she really wants him to come see her but then he doesn't so then do i even know you anymore that all that kind of kind of derails for for what you can do with him that doesn't happen in the first one because she's the you know the love interest he can't get and that's to me that's a little bit more interesting than the love that never was but still expects you to be that somehow um and, she jumps uh, around between a lot of guys while keeping yeah. him on the hook too. That's not yeah. nice. That's not. It's like you're not great. waiting. That's not waiting for anything. Uh, and then uh, the the wonderful uh, aspect of it, yeah. And in the first one, he shows up. I think in like the first five six minutes, and immediately from his first interaction with with Peter Parker, he he's creepy and kind of uh, uh charming but it, he also has that that bit of uh oh you understand what i do like you know he's used to his dumb son i guess so yeah. there, there's a, a little bit of intrigue that's put into the first five minutes with him just there especially because we you know if you're familiar with the, with the character is you know where this is ending but he's so good at playing that contain unhinged role that you do lose uh, a little bit of that energy on the second one as good as Alfred Molina is uh, and he also doesn't feel as threatening I guess because he's kind of a tank uh, and he does depend on his arms for everything so it, it, even though you do have that that train scene that's really great I think uh, where he rescues everyone in the train and then the whole neighborhood thing again the whole nice New York because if that was filmed in today's New York it would be just a lot of homeless people throwing shit at him and, and stealing yeah. his suit uh, but in that that's a very you know uh heartwarming uh, we're all in this together kind of scene uh but I, I think the first one does work a little bit better when it comes to to bringing that character to life and and representing the Peter Parker character that um I don't know how close it is to the comics books I, I've never really read them but uh it's the my favorite representation of that character i guess in, in this spider-man movies where you never read the spider-man comics not really no no I, I was more into like the weirdo characters like not not the like big who? ones like namor or hawkeye or 
Deadpool before. You're going to say Jeffrey Dahmer from My Friend Dahmer. Well, I did have that book, so I guess that counts. Yeah, I did. I did get that comic. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's my favorite presentation of the of the character on screen so far. And I think even though there's those moments of PlayStation 2 graphics, they're not that that bad. But uh, but they work and. I I enjoyed myself watching that now a lot more than I I can't even remember the last MCU movie that I did. I think so with the graphics the the special effects that that you know the fact that they don't heavily rely on everything being uh, bound to that I think is what makes it permissible mm. when you have something where it's just nothing but green screens and you know that people are acting with tennis balls that's and you can tell you even if you don't know if you're somebody who has no idea there's still some sort of disconnect that, that is there that is preventing you from enjoying it in the same way and you don't have that with these movies um yeah i i uh i, I think spider-man 2 is a very good comic book film i think it's a very good uh spider-man movie it's not my favorite of the three um it's up there but it's it, i think that first one for similar reasons uh to what you unpacked liam that first movie for me uh does it in a way that the second one doesn't and the third one i haven't gone back to the third one yet uh but i'm assuming ain't gonna do it you know there's a so there's a version of spider-man 3 that's out there usually you get like a director's cut there's a halloween movie that's like the producer's cut there's a version of spider-man 3 that's called the editor's cut and I've never seen this movie. I mean, isn't every film cut the editor's cut technically? Uh, Hans, do you want to look into this real quick? Sure. So, let, let me just yeah. tell you something before we move on, because I, I think we talked about this like five minutes ago. There's an interview that they did, that Christian Bale did it, uh, to a British newspaper. And he said, I love the crap that's on the internet and on TV everywhere. It's not just on the net. Most of the time, I never bother trying to put anything right because I'm an actor. And the whole point is that it doesn't matter what's the truth. But I do have to take a stand on that because I would never have bloody addition to play Robin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. When is that? What year was that? Was that from 2005 or was that a later quote about it? Uh, well, the, this article is from 2019. Um, okay. CBR, well, he def but... he he definitely said it in 2005 when Batman Begins was coming out, and I bet you it's just plagued him since. Like people have asked so if he's talking about it in 2019. That's kind of that's wild. I, I wow. think that the the one thing that the second Spider-Man movie does better than the first one is that they uh, or Sam Raimi realize how good J.K. Simmons is. So he has so many funny lines in the second one where he's just very dismissive towards everyone. I mean, like his wife when he's talking over the phone or the guy that comes to sell him the, the Spider-Man suit. Uh, and he's just very quick, very natural. I, he's he's the perfect casting, I think. Like that, if there's one guy that plays the role perfectly as to what you saw in the cartoons and and what you, I guess, expect he would sound like in the, in the comic book is that Jake and Stevens mm. uh, performance. Yeah, I literally, you literally can't picture anyone else in that role. Yeah, I think there's a reason why they went back to him and started even considering dabbling in like the Sam Raimi, Raimi universe. It's just because he does such a good job. They didn't even cast a J, like a, a J. Jonah Jameson for those middle films um, transitioning over to Disney because he left such an imprint as this character. He's so good. I wish they left in the deleted scene. There's a deleted scene with uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson in the spider-man outfit 
just fucking around his office that I thought was a very amusing scene. I wish they had left it in. Um, when it comes to Spider-Man 3, did you look up the editor's cut, by the way, yeah. Hans? Uh, it says here that there's uh, alternate takes, dialogue revisions, and subtle changes in the film's score. Uh, snippets of Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker becoming increasingly enthralled by the symbiote suit, Stark influence. Uh, and then they added a bunch of uh, scenes with the Dick... Ditkovich oh. is the, the Eastern Europeans that he lives with. Uh, it says that the fight be between Harry and Peter be begins differently. Uh, he's uh, Peter is waiting for Harry in his penthouse, reclining on a couch rather than on the apartment's balcony, and he's calmer and more confident for most of the conversation until Harry, blah, blah, blah. There's uh, more Sandman's emotional scenes that are added. I could have done it. with less of those personally. I wasn't, I wasn't in on the Sandman story. I would have, if there was one element I would have removed from that movie, it probably would have been Sandman. That felt they, like they were merging two different films together. And they didn't even bring him back for the for the new one, right? They just oh yeah, no, CG, no, he was just CGI him. Oh, well, yeah, they right. got his voice and they okay. used. I, so here's something they did that kind of bugs me. They reused the same CG, like action, like B-roll of him as Sandman and uh, also the lizard, like computer-generated B-roll, not the actor. They they reused the same motions that you can see in the movie and then tinkered with them. That that's his late and it's Disney, the wealthiest company yeah. probably on the planet, and they're doing shit like that. That's horrible. Um, well, the the crunch is insane with the. Uh... The visual effects teams mm -hmm. yeah i know that what are you gonna say hans and you it just... also says that that harry's redemption is different it says in the theatrical cut the Osborne family butler explains to a scared harry that the fatal wounds his father suffered were not caused by spider-man absolving peter and leading harry to reconcile with his best friend this moment is Convenient exposition is excised in the editor's cut, however, replacing his motivation for seeking redemption. Uh, instead, he sends Peter away, and then he spots a frame photographs of himself, Peter and Mary, from happier times with the glass broken. Contemplating his broken friendships, Harry decides completely on his own reconcile with Peter without learning the truth of Spider-Man's innocence. That sucks. <laughs> no, I, I kind of like, like that, that more. Don't you? Do, when was the last time you watched Spider-Man 3? Uh, whenever we revisited it, because I think we were going to do an episode of the three of them, and I watched them all. Uh, okay, one or two in, years ago in Spider-Man Three, and I think you might have said that as you, you you were talking about the scene. You see a butler who shows up for like a minute in Spider-Man One, and he's like, "Well, actually, Harry, this is what happened with your father," and he has like a oh, full-on yeah. dialogue, like a minute of dialogue explaining what happened in Spider-Man One, and it was horrible. It, like even in the theater when I was like 17 watching that movie, I was like, this is, this sucks. What the fuck is this? Um, and I'll tell you what, Stan I still Lee. have, yeah, <laughs> it should have been Stanley. That would have, that would have made it work a little bit better. Um, but instead it was just some random actor who seemed unprepared to handle a whole minute on screen talking, you know, like he signed on to be Butler in the background, not, the guy who's going to tie up this loose end, this very important loose end for Spider-Man three. So yeah, no, I didn't like that. I I'm curious to check out the editor's cut. Uh, maybe it's on like DVD or something. I'll get one of those. I saw that it was on like 
streaming, but you have to pay eight ninety nine to watch it, and I'm not doing that. Yeah, Prime. It's on Prime, but is that? Well, I guess is that legal? What? I guess the editor. Prime? Yeah. The editor's cut. Out. Yeah. Was, they officially the... put it out because people oh, were. Okay. People were, the, were always complaining about Spider-Man 3 not being... And they did with the first two movies, or at least the second one. They did a DVD release called Spider-Man 2.5 that threw in deleted scenes. They did this also with the first X-Men movie um, where there was a release called 1.5. Because well, it sounds... Or it feels like, you know, those, those uh, Star Wars fans that just... What was the... the there was one project where someone found like a 35 millimeter reel of it and then they just remastered it so that it looks better than the all the cgi that they added afterwards to it mm -hmm. so it kind of feels like or i guess it sounds kind of like that but i guess if they release it officially then i think i have a copy of that i think it was called like int something yeah I, I don't know um no this is definitely official and you can buy it i mean especially if it's on amazon prime you can you can get a copy of that. I'd be curious to check it out. I feel like my main gripe with that movie was all related to, I mean, this is not anything new, the Topher Grace version of Spider-Man, uh, or not Spider-Man, of Venom, excuse me, because uh, I don't even think they changed his voice or anything when he was Venom. I think they just maybe slightly modulated it, and they didn't have him deep-voiced like everyone knows Venom to be from either eric. the cartoon or yeah it's just eric from that 70s show <laughs> acting tough yeah that was, that was bad bad casting too yeah um liam you mentioned like a studio mandate before i know that venom was a studio mandate and sam raimi had no interest in ever using that character and uh i think his form of rebellion was casting topher grace as eddie brock who you would never cast in that role based off of what is given to you in the comic book anyway he's supposed to be a football player right or like a yeah. big burly bully and then you get someone that's smaller than, than yeah Toby. i i can't i can't speak to the comics but definitely like yeah i i i didn't have like any feelings towards him in any way like positive or negative it was just like oh this is like a character and like oh i guess he sucks like he's gonna probably gonna kill spider-man but um yeah i i think i think it's, it's funny you mentioned like without sandman that's the, the kind of the way you would prefer to look at spider-man 3 but um i feel like the film without venom and just with sandman and that storyline would play a lot better than what, what ended up happening. I think you're right about that because that's the, the probably the version of the movie Sam Raimi wanted to do. So you get a good, healthy dose of Sandman. And the Harry Osborn amnesia plot is kind of, you know, it's, it, it's a subplot that isn't really played out too much. And it's a little silly. It's a little uh, soap opera-y. Soap opera, yeah. You know, and, and the Venom thing feels like a very last minute shoehorned thing that is thrown in there um so I, I my my opinion is you probably would have gotten a better movie if it was venom that was excised from that and maybe even uh the secondary goblin but i think for my just personal taste i would have liked to see i would have liked to see a venom movie in 2007 that would have been awesome that would have been great 
Um, but done right. Who you, yes. Who would you have casted as Venom in two thousand seven? Hmm. Hyde from that seventies show. <laughs> yeah, <I'm not. laughs> it's a more of a predator. Dark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I don't know. In two thousand seven, who could you who could you throw in there? Who's that body type that fits? That's around that age group. From that, uh, Chris Evans. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't like, think so. What's he I, doing? He was the Human Torch. He was like skinny. So I don't oh, think so. Right. No. Um, who was buff in 2007? I don't even remember. What was 2007 in movies? 2007 in movies? I think there was like, like uh, when would that movie Babel come out around that time? Ghost Rider. Nick Cage. That's who we're getting is Venom. I think. Yeah, I think that works. I, I think he's that. a little, little old. But you know what? <laughs> Just a little. How would you like a Nick Cage Green Goblin though? That that could have been fun. That could have been. That would be that. You know, I like Willem Dafoe because he's the right amount of serious. So even if he's like hamming it up, he still can pull it back and be a real like you're going to take him seriously when he's like breaking down and sobbing but if nick cage started breaking down and sobbing you're like <laughs> it's just more of the same it's more nick cage you know but i i don't hate the idea of that i think that would be better if you got uh liam did you ever see the original version of the green goblins uh face and prosthetics for the first movie uh i feel like i've i've seen it before but i can't picture it right now so Hans, I don't, you look like you're already looking it up. Um, there's a version of the Green Goblin prosthetics that are much more comic book accurate, but it probably would have been a real pain to implement that into the movie because it would have required a lot of uh, puppetry of the facial muscles. And so, uh, yeah, here we go. Oh, yeah. Wow. Damn, that one in the middle is a little spooky, huh? Uh, I like this. It would have been um, would, interesting you would prefer? to see. You'd prefer that? I don't know. I don't know if I'd prefer it. I think it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. And if but I feel like it fits the uh the <laughs> Sam Raimi aesthetic. I feel like it's it's something he would kinda he, he would make it look good on camera. Right. I think if this was I mean, so here's what I'm thinking is for the night scenes, this would have looked real good. Uh but when he's like flying around Times Square in the middle of the day, it probably would have looked goofy i also um, feel face. like uh yeah that's is it i feel like with um with the the mask that he has it they there's some shots where you can actually see his mouth and his eyes pretty well and if they played more into that i think it'd be good you know yeah. I, I like seeing yeah. that performance it was a real disappointment when they decided to bring back Willem Dafoe and not put him in the out. They just gave him a purple hood because they realized, oh, this will be a problem for the special effects unit if we have him in his costume. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, but that's like commonplace for any like modern Marvel is the mask will be digitally added in post. I hate that. They're doing yeah. that with that Flash movie, too. Uh, for the Ben Affleck sequence, when he's on, like, a bike or something, you can see that they just, like, digitally composited his eyes and his mouth Whoa. over the Batman costume. And that is a really terrible way to go if they keep that up. So, Why are they yeah. so cheap 
with that stuff. You know, it's like I, I feel like they're they're going full special effects, full green screen, full everything, but then they don't take the time and effort to make it look good. So then it's just like, what's the what is the point? You're gonna make billions, right? Well, maybe not anymore, but you're gonna make so much money with it. Why not, you know, go all in with the effort instead of yeah, making it look like a what Snapchat filter, like that Thor movie. Yeah. I would imagine they they look at it like like they they just draw they get someone to draw the picture and then they put it into a digital environment and they're like, Yeah, that looks fine. Right? Mm -hmm. If they if they have to make an actual costume, they have to size the guy, they have to look at the guy in it, they gotta do all this stuff, they have to go back and forth between the drawing and, and the doing. And what you get is something that there's more labor that goes into it is at the end of the day, there's more hands, there's more eyes looking at the product. But when you just have a, a couple people in a room draw together a costume and then put it in a digital environment, it just, th there's not as much that goes into it. That it kind of takes yeah. away from it. it, it I've, what they have in their heads before the movie even starts rolling, I think they want an exact, uh, sure bet on and when you do things like that then you're leaving a lot of things to chance and you can't like resolve it in that digital sphere where it's going to be quick and you only have like a couple of heads that you need to do that so I, I i think yeah it comes down to timing wanting to know what the result's going to be before you even put the money in and the result of that is something that progressively looks cheaper and cheaper with every film to the point where it's like these movies have insane budgets and they have worse visual effects than mm -hmm. uh things with like one third the price like i know there was um there was a pretty bad movie that went direct to shutter and it was like all cg and that was back in like 2020 or early 2021 and uh, it was like broken up into a couple of different it was like a five-part like space opera thing and uh there was a lot of fuss about it I, we were going to talk about it i think on the show we didn't get around to it um I can't even remember the title, but I remember it was just like, it was a Shutter original. Um, and it was like half series, half movie. It was presented like as a movie though. Um, and that had like a very cheap budget and looked fantastic compared to anything you would get that seems to have like a 200 to $500 million budget these days. So I think, I think it's exactly that. Like they just, they don't like leaving it to risk. And I think when you, stop when when you remove that from the equation then you wind up cycling out into a, a a method of creating a very like boring mundane and progressively worse looking product i found a a video of the mass moving i don't know if you can see it this is from amalgamated dynamics Okay. Actually, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I think it looks pretty decent for, I mean, considering you, you have like puppeteers off camera that are doing the majority of that. Um, oh, they, so they have to sync it up? Mm -hmm. Wow. Seems like a very complex job to be, and this is why you don't right, see things right. like this anymore. This is why yeah. you, you don't get that in movies. Um, Too much work. 
Too much effort. Why? Why try? Why try? <laughs> That's right. Uh, where did it, all right? So Hans, obviously you're a big Sam Raimi fan. Yeah. Where do these fall for you in his filmography? Shit. Uh, right after Drag Me to Hell, which is my fourth, third favorite Raimi movie, maybe? Got the Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2 are my top two. And then I would say Drag Me to Hell and, and then Spider-Man 1, maybe? Hmm. Yeah. Let me go back. <laughs> Let me go back. Are you even a fan? I, you should know off the top of your head where it falls, Hans. You know, I don't know anything off the top of my head. <laughs> where does it where does it fall next to uh Doctor Strange 2? Oh. Ooh. Way better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of He's produced a lot of really not. Yeah, don't look at no. Stuff. You can't go by someone's produced work. That's not going to be reliable. Uh Darkman I really like. Uh out of that. Uh All right, we'll yeah. just say it's up there. It's pretty up there. It's up there. Yeah. Okay. Top, top okay. 5. Uh Liam, what do you think about Sam Raimi as a director? Um I I haven't seen enough. I come I come into this more of, of like a Spider-Man fan than a, a Sam, Sam Raimi fan. But I am a very big fan of what he does. Um, I think the Doctor Strange movie came out really good. Um, not, you know, the best film. And I know a lot of people that didn't like it, but it, I think it came out really good, especially considering that, or from that knowing Sam Raimi perspective. Um but yeah, this I think these movies, in my opinion, would rank higher than that movie. And, um, to see the, I have to see the the Evil Dead movies. That's it's on my list. Oh yeah, Hans, uh, I know you love Evil Dead. Did we talk yeah. about Evil Dead Rise on the last? Oh yeah, you went on a rant about Evil no, Dead Rise. Yeah, you did. No, You're like, I... why does it take place in a complex? It's supposed to be a cabin. <laughs> this is not Evil Dead. This is not the Evil Dead. I know and love. That's what you said. Yeah, that's right. I I'm excited. That. I want to go see Evil Dead. I think that's going to be good. I just yeah, saw Bo is Afraid. And uh, that's... Are we going to do, do an episode on it? Or? I don't know if you can sit through more than an hour of Bo is Afraid. It's a three-hour oh, really? movie. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Because well, I it's... like his work, even though I think he's over... I don't want to say overrated, but overappreciated, I think, because of how weird his movies are. But I agree with that. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I didn't know it was three hours. It's three hours, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, it feels three hours. I didn't I didn't have a problem with the runtime, but I would have cut the last half hour, for, not for time reasons, for just other reasons. It's a comedy, though. It's a straight-up comedy. That's not what I was expecting, because I didn't know... A whole lot about it i just knew that the trailer seemed pretty fantastical and uh obviously he hasn't done a feature comedy before a lot of his short films are like tim and ericy though did you ever see oh, any aside from the strange thing about the johnson <laughs> no, liam you should one. go watch the strange thing about the johnsons after uh, the show's over um i i watched some of his short films and they have like a tim and eric that kind of like early uh, early 2010s vibe to them so he's like a comedy guy in disguise as a horror guy. 
And you can see that much more with Bo. Bo is pretty funny, actually. Um, much funnier than I was expecting. So. so why don't you think I can sit through it? I sat through fucking Babylon and that was painful. <laughs> that was almost three hours, right? That was, that was, I think, a little bit longer, actually. Maybe. Which one do you prefer of those two? Oh, Bo, for sure. Bo is Afraid is a good movie. Babylon was not a good movie. All right. Well. I think it'll take you about three sittings to get through the movie, but we'll we'll cover it. I'm supposed to go on Is It Kino this week and talk about it, but um, I think it'd be worth discussing maybe our, all of Ari Aster's films as like one show or something, maybe mm -hmm. for, for this program. Uh, anyway, all right. I think I think we've we've talked about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man well enough for three people in the year 2023. I think they're obviously worth watching, checking out. They are uh, pretty close to the gold standard for the comic book genre when you're dealing with superheroes. Uh, obviously, it's a very different tone than Christopher Nolan's films or Joker or uh, the Lord and Master Zack Snyder and what he provides us once every two to three to four years. But I think these are like great, wholesome, family-friendly movies that do justice to the character, that age very well in terms of entertainment and uh, what they offer as far as spectacle. And um, I think they're just rich with character. So that's my thing. Hans, did you have any, uh, any gripes about any of these movies we didn't address? What? Which movies? Uh, the same oh, Miami trilogy. Drives out in address. No, not really. I think they're very easy to watch, even though they're two hours. Uh, they go by very. Were they two hours? I think this movie. Yeah. I think they were like an hour and a half. Nope, you're wrong. It's a short. I was, yeah, I was keeping track because I I was thinking that I was not gonna have time to watch both of them today, but I did. Uh, and the first one is two hours, and the second one is two hours seven minutes uh all right but, i stand corrected yeah yeah but they don't feel long at all i think they do a really good job at, at uh creating the characters and creating this world that that we're in uh again without having the advantage or disadvantage of having that extended universe to think about um but uh yeah they're very charming very 2002 very time capsule of of everything that was going on at that time so uh uh i enjoyed myself quite a bit with both of them how about you liam anything uh we have not directly addressed regarding the the three spider-men um no i think uh i think we touched it all i just i think spider-man if you're gonna go to spider-man i think you should go to these films i think that's that's my parting words on it i wholly agree uh would you guys be up for a Spider-Man 4 directed by Sam Raimi, Raimi excuse me, uh, released in 2024. I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch but, it. Uh, with old Toby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, gonna get, you're probably going to get the same Toby you got. And maybe not. Cool. I feel like if he was working with Sam Raimi, then he would be like, well, this is a director I respect. Let me, uh, let me try for this one. Maybe. Yeah, I'd be down for seeing old what's-her-name as Mary Jane, as old Mary Jane. She's not that old. She's only like 36 or something right now. First time you've ever said that 36 is not old. In my wow. presence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you, I'm, it's different when you're the embodiment of old. Huh? You've been old since you were like 32, Hans. Yeah, yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, is Zack Snyder ever going to release that Rebel Moon thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's coming out, I think, in December or November, part okay. one, anyway. Okay. Okay. All right, well, Liam, thank you for coming on the show this evening and uh, talking about Spider-Man. Been thank you for having me quite yeah. a joy uh oh hans was that your dark man impression you were just doing no i was just cleaning cleaning my throat i didn't want to do it on microphone oh okay uh, how polite all right well that has been movies for this week thank you for listening